Christians have been arguing about the format and content of worship services since the time of Jesus. One of the most influential and biblical theories applies to our topic today. Let's talk about the regulative principle of worship on this episode of the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. Hey there, you are listening to Season 1 of the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. I would like to make a Season 2, but I'm not sure. I'm going to pay attention to three things to decide if there's going to be another season. Downloads, feedback, and money. You can encourage Season 2 quicker if you'll do these two things. First, rate and review the podcast on your podcast player. It helps people find the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. And then number two, send me an email with encouragement corrections, suggestions for a new topic, or whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. Formal worship services are a central aspect of Christian religious practice. Among the various perspectives on worship, the regulative principle of worship holds a prominent position among Protestants. The regulative principle emphasizes the need for worship to be grounded solely in what is explicitly commanded or authorized by Scripture. The regulative principle has its roots in the Protestant Reformation of the 16th century. Reformation theologians such as John Calvin and the Puritans sought to purify worship practices from what they viewed as unbiblical elements inherited from the Roman Catholic Church. Calvin articulated the principle by asserting, that worship must be regulated by Scripture alone, allowing only what God has commanded and prohibiting what God has not explicitly authorized. The Puritans further developed and applied this principle into their worship practices, emphasizing simplicity and the elimination of anything not found in Scripture. Basically, the regulative principle says that God gets to regulate worship. He gets to decide what is good and bad, right and wrong, beautiful and ugly in our worship services. This is not only because he is the author of all that is good, right, and beautiful, but also because he gets to decide what brings him glory. That is, what he wants. It reminds me of an episode of The Simpsons in the first season when Homer buys his wife Marge a bowling ball for her birthday. Now, Homer loves to bowl, and Marge hates bowling. But he gives her a new bowling ball. To add insult to injury, he has it inscribed with the word Homer, his own name. When she is furious and asks why he put his own name on her gift, he says, so that you can remember me when you go bowling. Now, that's a really silly example, but Marge is right to be upset. Homer didn't get her a gift. He got himself a gift. And the regulative principle of worship says that worship is not good simply because you think it is good. It's not right because you think it is right. It's not beautiful because you think it's beautiful. We need to look in the Bible to see what God thinks is good, right, and beautiful in our formal worship services. And our own opinions on their own merit are irrelevant. So we look to the Bible for direction on how to worship God and not elsewhere. That is, we're not allowed to invent ways to worship God. When human beings, with our fallen natures, invent ways to worship God, it goes bad, always. So we always go back to the Bible for our directions on how to worship Him. 
So when you leave a worship service and you feel or think, man, that was a really great worship service, on what basis do you think or feel that it was so good? Okay, now some things are actually quite easy here. Worship should be focused on the triune God and the Bible, a proclamation of the gospel and the sacraments. We should sing and take up an offering and spend time in prayer. All of that is very easy. But a ton of difficult questions come up when we start applying the regulative principle of worship. What instruments can we use? How long should the worship service be? Should we have dancing? What kind of songs are allowed or prohibited? The book of Psalms is a book of song lyrics for public worship, but can we sing any other songs? Furthermore, what tunes should we sing? We're commanded to sing, but no tunes are recorded in the Bible, so we have to pick a tune which is not in the Bible. To make this a bit easier to understand, some theologians have distinguished among elements, principles, and circumstances. Let me explain. Elements are the things that are required to be done. Reading the Bible, singing, offerings, prayer, and so on. Principles are required characteristics that govern all of worship. So, for example, uh, principles would be something like this. Worship should be spirit-filled, orderly, governed by the elders, in line with the gospel, modest, loving, diverse, unified, engaging the whole congregation, and so on. And then finally, circumstances are necessary specifics that are not dictated by the Bible. For example, as I said earlier, in order to sing, we must sing a tune, but no tune is prescribed by the Bible, so we just pick any tune, as long as it goes along with the principles of spirit-filled and orderly and loving and so on. Also, the Bible doesn't specify a time of day to begin worship, but obviously we cannot worship together unless we agree on a time. As long as it fits the principles, we're free to choose whatever works well in our context. What language should we speak? Well, that's circumstances. Anyway, so we have these three things, elements, principles, and circumstances. Sometimes theologians argue about what are the proper elements, what are the proper principles, and do these particular circumstances really fit with the proper principles? And this is when we get into serious worship wars. One good example is the use of liturgical dancing. Certainly, we see dancing as a part of worship in the Bible. For example, David danced and others too. Some theologians point out, though, that these are not in any formal worship services. And that David, when the Bible says that he danced before the Lord, he stripped off his outer clothes when he danced before the Lord. And so they might suggest that dancing before the Lord in worship requires us to be in our underwear. Well, we should note that there is a competing principle for the worship regulation called the normative principle of worship. The normative principle says that anything and everything is allowed in worship so long as it's not prohibited by the Bible, so long as it's not sinful. In my opinion, this principle allows for Christians and churches to follow contemporary trends, personal preferences, and stale traditions. The regulative principle of worship serves as a guiding principle for faithful worship practices. Grounded in the authority of Scripture, it emphasizes simplicity, purity, and reverence in worship. And while it may engender debate, this principle challenges believers to ensure that their worship is centered on God and aligned with His revealed Word. 
hope you enjoyed that episode of the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. I would love to make season two, but I need to make sure that it is worthwhile. So I'm paying attention to three things. Downloads, feedback, and money. It costs money to publish a podcast and not a small amount of work. Now, if you'll give me just $5 once, I'll give you your own private podcast link that will have all the episodes from season one without any advertising, plus 10 extra bonus episodes. At various levels, you'll also get a lot of other cool stuff. Now, I'm not looking for a subscription, just a one-time purchase that will help me to know that this podcast has been helpful and that you would like me to make another season. Look for the show notes of this episode to find the link to give money. Podcasts are getting gobbled up by big corporations and conglomerates. Independent podcasters like me need your support. Thanks so much.